Michael Vaughn and welcome to the Tolkien Lore Channel on the Tolkien Geek. And in this video, I am once again going to discuss a topic which was inspired by listening to Corey Olson's Exploring the Lord of the Ring, Rings. And oddly enough, this topic came before last week's topic in terms of when he discussed it on his thing. This one is actually from the conversation where Aragorn tells Gandalf, if you pass the doors of Moria, beware. Olsen, the Tolkien professor, comes up with this theory that what Aragorn is saying, or at least what Gandalf kind of ends up taking from what Aragorn is saying, is that Gandalf needs to be prepared to sacrifice himself so that the rest of the group can escape from Moria. This is derived from several elements, one of which is the fact that Originally, of course, it's not really clear what exactly Aragorn means, but he directs it specifically to Gandalf. He says, Gandalf, if you pass the doors of Moria, beware. They're all talking about going into Moria, so the question is, why specifically Gandalf, right? Then they get to the point where they realize where that it's a, a Balrog that's you know behind some of the things that they've noticed, and then Gandalf says... Now I understand, and what an evil fortune. And when he says, now I understand, Olsen's theory is that what he's realizing is, this is the thing that Aragorn had a premonition about, and now he realizes this is the point at which he is the one that's going to have to be personally in danger, because to get out, somebody's going to have to sacrifice themselves, and it's going to be him, because he's the only one that can really face the Balrog. That is at least a plausible theory. I mean, I think you could interpret I understand in several different ways. One of them being, now I understand why the whole dwarf colony was wiped out. Uh, now I understand what was going on at the door that I was trying to hold shut magically and why it was so, you know, what the thing on the other end was so powerful. There's a number of different ways you could take that phrase. But in this video, I want to explore the possibility that Gandalf could have survived, and what that might have meant for the later stages of the story had he not died and then come back as Gandalf the White. Before we get to the video, I'd like to talk to you about something new that I've discovered that may help you. One of the things that I'm interested in besides Tolkien is staying healthy and fit, and one of the areas that I've discovered that I've been lacking is my feet. And one thing that I've done recently to start helping my feet is wear barefoot shoes. What's a barefoot shoe, you may ask? Seems like a contradiction in terms. It's a shoe with many different qualities, but some of them include a wider toe box so that your toes can actually spread apart and do their natural thing. A very flexible sole so that your feet can use their natural range of motion. A very thin sole so you can actually feel the ground beneath you and your feet can adapt to what's going on and no drop between the heel and the toe so that you're not constantly at an elevated heel position which has effects on your posture. I've started wearing these recently and I really love them. These are from Zero Shoes. The name Zero is spelled with an X as you can see and they have an affiliate program so I have a link in the description if you want to try barefoot shoes for the many benefits that they may have you can buy a pair and it'll actually help out my channel. These that I have are the Prio. They also have a Prio new version, a Neo, Prio Neo 
which is a slightly updated version, but these work just fine for me. I love them, and ever since I started wearing them, I can't stand wearing normal shoes anymore because I can feel the <laughs> regular shoes crushing my toes together, and these don't. So I really like these. If you feel like you are interested in wearing barefoot shoes and you can find lots of videos on YouTube explaining the benefits and all that, one of the other cool things that Zero does as a company is when you buy their shoes, they will actually give you a bunch of videos and articles that uh, send you links to those that you can use to learn how to get into wearing barefoot shoes and how to transition from a normal shoe to a barefoot shoe. If you already walk around barefoot a lot at home and you know, don't wear shoes that often. It may not be that much of a transition, but it might otherwise. So that can be really helpful. So if you're interested in this, you know, take a visit to their website, check them out, see if you're interested in, you know, buying their products. And like I said, if you do, it does help my channel if you use the affiliate link in the description. Thanks a bunch. Now back to the video. So the basis for, well, kind of the launching off point, let's say, for this idea is the fact that when Aragorn tells Gandalf, if you pass the doors of Moria, beware, the word beware has a fairly specific meaning. And especially for somebody like Tolkien, who is really into language, he would, of course, be aware that beware means roughly be wary. Sorry about that. Um, and the idea, of course, is that Normally, when you tell somebody to beware, it's not, hey, if X happens, you need to beware. That normally doesn't mean if X happens, you just need to be prepared to accept the consequences. Normally, what that means is you need to be cautious. You need to be thinking about the situation. You need to be careful. That's usually what that means. So if Aragorn is telling Gandalf, Something bad is probably going to happen, and you need to be careful to prevent that bad thing from happening. Olson's theory is one way of taking that, which is you need to be aware of the situation in which you find yourself such that you, you're going to have to save the rest of the group by sacrificing yourself. The alternative to that is Gandalf personally needs to be aware so that he personally doesn't get killed somehow. Now, how might this have worked out? There's only really a handful of options. We know, of course, that the most likely cause for the discovery of the Fellowship in Moria is Pippin doing his stupid thing of throwing a rock down a well in some chamber where they stop for the night, or what they think is the night. It's at least a rest period. They don't really know what time of day it is. Um, and there's probably very little Gandalf could have done to prevent that from happening, or to prevent its effects from occurring. One thing he might have done, though, is when they reach the chamber of Mazarbu and find the book that the dwarves had kept, I forget which dwarf it was, Ori maybe, that was actually writing it according to Gimli, who identifies the handwriting. Uh, whenever they start reading that, of course, they start spending a lot of time not progressing through Moria trying to find the exit, even though Gandalf is suddenly aware, ah, I know where we are now, and I you know, have a pretty good idea of how we get out. But now they stop and start reading this book because they're curious about what's going on or what went on with the dwarf colony there, and the next thing you know, they reach the end of it, and Gandalf is going to plan to take the thing with him, 
But then bad things happen. They start hearing the sound of pursuit. And everything that follows, we of course already know, they have a battle, they run away, they get, you know, chased, and next thing you know, there's a Balrog, and everybody's like, oh boy, this is bad. And then Gandalf has his fight with the Balrog, and he dies, and he comes back as Gandalf the White. That's the way the story progresses. But what if they hadn't spent all that time trying to read the act- the book in the chamber of Mazarbul? Could they have made it out without having been chased? Because then they would have been ahead of the pursuit, and they wouldn't have had to stop and, you know have Gandalf hold off the Balrog while everybody else ran away, which, ironically, they didn't until he fell anyway, so, you know. At any rate, point being, if they had just kept moving and Gandalf had been a little more wary and careful, since he already had reason to believe that there might have been some awareness of their presence, and he already knew, hey, we're getting close to the exit. Let's just get out while we can, and we can read the book later in our free time, <laughs> whenever that is. You would think, you know, that would have been the smart thing to do, but he just sits there and reads it for a bit, and is this really the reason that Gandalf dies? Because he's just not careful? So that's kind of the basis for this this idea that maybe when Aragorn says, if you pass the doors of Moria, beware... This is where Gandalf is uncareful, because he is spending too much time doing something that is really completely unnecessary, could be done later when they are safer, say in Lothlorien, but no, he doesn't. He stops and he reads the book. So that that's kind of the theory. Now, I mean, there's other ways you could take Aragorn's words and figure out whether, you know, it could all work out, but this seems to be the most plausible to me. And the next interesting question is, what happens if Gandalf doesn't die and come back as Gandalf the White, and instead is just Gandalf the Grey the whole time, right? There's several different parts of the story that could potentially have turned out very differently for different reasons. One key example is that when Frodo runs away from Boromir and gets to the top of Amon-Hin and stands up on the platform and gets in the seat, he sees a bunch of stuff and then he starts having this kind of mental wrestling match where it's like, take the ring off, no, keep it on, and and then suddenly he finds himself kind of free of both voices shouting at him, and he just makes the split decision, I'm taking it off. And the fairly clear implication is that the one, one of the voices is Gandalf's voice, and it's Gandalf will later tell Aragorn, you know, about a near miss, and that, you know, he wrestled with the Dark Lord in a high place, and it seems like Gandalf is saying that he was actually trying to keep the Dark Lord from forcing Frodo to reveal himself. So Gandalf the Grey possibly couldn't have done that. On the flip side of that, though, if Gandalf was with the company the whole time, would Boromir have had the opportunity to do what he did? Because, for one thing... If Gandalf was with the company the whole time, Aragorn doesn't have to worry about, do I go with Frodo or do I go with Boromir? It becomes a lot easier. Aragorn can just go with Boromir. Boromir might still have his idea of trying to take the ring from Frodo or getting him to give him the ring or whatever. But it's going to be a lot harder to pull off because Frodo is probably, A, not going to have as hard a time deciding what he wants to do 
because there's not going to be this division in the company either. It's not going to be like Aragorn is indecisive because he doesn't know what he's going to do. And so even if most of the group wants to go to Minas Tirith, the other hobbits are still still going to stick with Frodo no matter what. And Gandalf's advice is certainly going to be go to Mordor, right? Not go through Minas Tirith. Given that as a backdrop, Frodo doesn't necessarily even end up going off to think by himself and therefore doesn't give Boromir the opportunity to ambush him, as it were. So the fact that all this happens, you might end up avoiding the Parth Gollum disaster with Urukai capturing Merry and Pippin and all that stuff. You could end up with a situation where Gandalf and the Four Hobbits all go east of the river, whereas the rest of the group go to Minas Tirith. But then what happens to Rohan? That's the other interesting question, because without the two hobbits being kidnapped by Urukai and taken to Isengard, or toward Isengard, and Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli chasing after them, where does the rescue of Rohan come in? Because that you know, that's kind of an important part of the whole overall War of the Ring, because if Isengard conquers Rohan, you've got some pretty significant problems, because now Gondor has enemies on two fronts. So, how do we solve that problem now? <laughs> well, it's kind of hard to do, actually. You you almost have to have the situation go as it went for everything to turn out all right. You can make some of the things work, but on the theory that everything could have been different, but it would have still kind of worked out the same in some form or fashion, you could, perhaps, theorize that when Aragorn, Boromir, Legolas, and Gimli all make their way towards Gondor, somehow or other they end up in a situation where they are either waylaid or just discover what the situation in Rohan is on their way, and then they have to figure out okay, well, we're going to have to solve this problem before we can get to Minas Tirith. And potentially that could all go kind of similarly, although it, it seems like kind of a stretch. Like Gandalf being there and having his discussion with Theoden seems kind of necessary for the resolution of that whole plot line because Theoden is, you know, he's in a bad way, and it's not clear that Aragorn, Legolas, Gimli, and Boromir could you know, do the same thing that Gandalf does. You do have Boromir as a clear ally of Rohan, which might give them a little more, you know, a way in, so to speak, to get to Theoden and talk with him. But then, of course, you still have the problem of the Ents. Without Merry and Pippin showing up, do the Ents do their thing? You get the idea that Treebeard was at least already thinking about doing something and that Merry and Pippin's arrival is you know, maybe helps push everybody over the edge, but does it necessarily require Mary and Pippin to be there? I'm not sure that it does. So potentially all of that stuff still works out, but it's, the tricky part is figuring out how, how you get Theoden to recover, get rid of Grima Wormtongue, and then do all the things necessary for Helm's Deep and all that. And then you still probably don't get you know, the situation with Gandalf and Saruman, so Aragorn doesn't end up with the Palantir, which means he doesn't know about the fleet down south, and he doesn't necessarily know that he needs to go through the Paths of the Dead, unless he still gets met by Halbarad and the elves, 
I mean, the elves, you know, El, Elrond's sons. So does that all work out now? Because without the Palantir, a couple of things change. One thing that changes is he doesn't know about the Corsair fleet. The other thing that changes is when Aragorn comes back to Legolas and Gimli in the book and he says that he did this, you know, one of the suggestions is, well, won't he now hasten his assault? And Aragorn says, well, the hasty stroke goes off to strays. So it's like he's going to overreact. He's going to move too soon and screw up his one chance. So potentially Aragorn doesn't know about the Corsairs, but still, if he gets the message from the Sons of Elrond about going through the Paths of the Dead, maybe he realizes he has to go through there, even if he doesn't know why yet. But also... Sauron's attack is going to be delayed, which gives everybody more time, which means even if they're not rushing it, they're still, you know, going to get there in time for whatever they need to do. So the whole thing could still potentially work out in a weird way for, you know, because the two different factors going on with the Palantir kind of cancel each other out in a sense. They, you know, the use of the Palantir makes Sauron speed up but it also is what makes Aragorn hurry. So if none of that happens, then potentially they all just still happen roughly at the same time in a different, you know, a slightly delayed, you know, time span. So all of that could weirdly work out. Then, of course, you have to figure out what happens to Gandalf and the Hobbits. Because if Gandalf and the Hobbits go off on their own, does Gollum even try to take the ring if there's five of them? That's kind of a weird idea. I mean, he'd probably be desperate enough to do it at some point, but it probably would take him a little longer uh, because he'd be more afraid to do it. Also, what's Gandalf's plan for getting into Mordor? And this is one that I've talked about before. If I can find that video, I'll link to it in the description below. In his conversations with Faramir and Denethor, it's clear that he does not think the Kirith Ungol route is a good idea. But then, how was he planning to get in? You can't just go through the Black Gate. So what what was his idea? Well, if Gandalf is there with the Four Hobbits, we would have found out, interestingly enough. <laughs> and it's, you know, there's any number of potential ways that you could think of that he might be able to do it. One of them would be just a long trek around the back end and, you know, in, in through the back door, as it were. But that's a really long journey and probably not a good use of time. But again, if Sauron is not rushing his attack and Aragorn is not rushing his defense, you might again actually have time for that. So again, that might weirdly work out. But then it's still a really long way around, so I'm still not sure that works very well. So what alternative is there? What other way does he have to get into Mordor short of going through the one place that he doesn't think was a good idea based on what we know from the book already or the just knocking on, you know, the black gate and trying to get in that way which seems impossible. Maybe he knows about some other way in, who knows. I I've, you know, Aragorn, we know, has explored some territory around Mordor, and Gandalf presumably knows about some of that, and maybe they've exchanged information, and maybe they're aware of another way in that we just aren't told in the story, because by the time we get to that point, Aragorn is not with Frodo and Sam, so him passing on that information is irrelevant. We can't find it out. You know, there's a possibility that that's the case, but... 
It's just, you know, that's really speculative. This is one of the more interesting what-ifs in the entire story, of course, has always, to me, has always been, what if Gandalf survived and actually carried out his own plan? How would that even play out? We don't know. Um, but it seems like you could make almost every other aspect of the story work. The one thing that, again, seems just a little bit difficult to me is the Theoden part, because he might be a little more willing to let Boromir in and whatever, and that might work out, but then it still just seems kind of weird that Theoden has a complete recovery and gets rid of Grima Wormtongue the way that he does without Gandalf's intervention. That that part seems a little hard to to work around. Also, it does seem just a little weird that Boromir would just willingly split up from the group and let the ring go east into Mordor or toward Mordor without trying something. So you might still end up with a Parthgalan situation where the Urukai catch up to him and while they're all doing their thing and you know, have Merry and Pippin and all that stuff happens the way it would have happened anyway, except Gandalf is just Gandalf the Grey and he goes with Aragorn. Who knows? Uh, that could have worked out that way. I don't know. That That's kind of a weird one because it doesn't look like, to me, that Boromir would have made the same kind of attempt or that the scenario would have been set up for the attempt if Gandalf was there. So... Could everything have worked out if Gandalf had actually survived and not come back as Gandalf the White? I think it could have worked out in some way. And it's interesting to think that Aragorn is actually telling Gandalf, hey, if you go this route, you need to be careful and, you know, really take care of yourself and be aware of your surroundings and situation. And then on the flip side of that, you've got the the whole idea that what that implies is that when Gandalf is, you know, somewhat uncareful and does end up getting killed, Providence steps in and says, okay, well, you kind of flubbed that, but we really need you in the game, so we're going to put you back in. Uh, so that's kind of the implication of this theory, is that Gandalf's role in the story is so important that he really is necessary for everything to work out the way it's kind of supposed to, as it were. And so whenever he dies, Eru Iluvatar steps in and says, okay, well, that was a mistake on Gandalf's part. Not one that was, you know, an obvious mistake in, in the moment. But now that the mistake has been made and part of the whole scheme has been ruined... It's time to, you know, fix that mistake by sending Gandalf back and so he can do what he was supposed to have done, at least in a similar way, if not exactly the same way. So it's really interesting in that sense to think about the what if because it implies something about the way even that Eru Iluvatar is looking at the situation. It's not even just... Well, Gandalf was just kind of destined to die. And this is another way you could look at it even because Gandalf tells the company, I, you know, I had this feeling from the beginning that we were going to end up having to go through Moria. Does that mean that Gandalf's death was always part of the plan in some sense? That he was always bound to get, you know, caught and killed in Moria? Or, you know, 
somehow end up dead and then sent back by Eru Iluvatar as Gandalf the White so that he could be more powerful and do the things that he needed to do. You know, that's the other question, of course, about all of this is, does the power level of Gandalf the Grey and Gandalf the White differ significantly enough that it actually is necessary for Gandalf the White to be in play as opposed to Gandalf the Grey? You know, I don't know if that's true or not. It's not really clear what difference there is in power between Gandalf as the Grey and as the White. That's, again, one of those things where Tolkien leaves a lot of stuff about magic and power levels and, you know, all that stuff very vague, intentionally so. It's not a thing where you can just rank people on a, you know, 1 to 100 scale. It doesn't work. So it's not clear one way or the other that it's necessary for Gandalf to be powered up for him to do his job, but it does seem that it's necessary for Gandalf to be in the action in some sense, because without him, so many things just do not go right. I mean, you just can't get everything to work out without Gandalf there. So you could look at the whole thing from the back end and say, well, it looks like maybe Gandalf was always supposed to die and come back, but you could also look at it as Gandalf, had he done everything exactly right, and, you know, maybe he just ignored his intuition while he was in the chamber of Mazarbul, you know, maybe he had a nagging feeling in his heart telling him, you should move on, you should you should get out of here, and he ignored that because he was just too interested in the book, you know, I mean, there's all kinds of ways you could explain this, right? But because he for whatever reason, didn't choose to just get out while the getting was good. He could have survived, but didn't. And as a result, Providence now has to step in and say, well, okay, you had to be there, and now that you've gotten yourself killed, eh, we not only need to send you back, we need to power you up a bit so that you can actually complete the things that you need to complete for this whole thing to turn out the way it really needs to. Whereas, if he hadn't gotten killed, maybe he didn't need to be powered up because he would have been in the right place at the right time, according to the, quote, original plan, let's say. So that's kind of my overview on this idea of, could Gandalf have survived? Could he have been, could he have been wary enough, uh, per Aragorn's warning, to actually survive? And what would that have looked like at, you know, as everything else unfolds? Hope you enjoyed looking at this theory. Hope it was uh, at least entertaining, if not instructive. It definitely has implications, like I said, for the idea of how providence plays out through the story and some other elements like that. And I think that's a really key thing behind a lot of Tolkien's, you know, storytelling is how providence works because of his his beliefs as a Christian. You know, his especially as a, a Catholic, you know, the, the Catholic view is not the same as every Christian view. The Catholic view is a very providential one, whereas there are some Christian views that are not as heavily focused on providential, you know, working through history. So the idea that him being a Catholic, you know, being really attuned to that idea of providence playing such a huge role it's really important to pay attention to that in his stories. And I think this is one interesting way of looking at how that dynamic works. So if you did enjoy the video, please do give it a thumbs up and share it around. Subscribe if you want to catch all my future content. Click the bell icon on YouTube if you're on YouTube. Make sure you don't miss any notifications. 
Catch my other platform links. Follow me on Twitter, or X, who cares, <laughs> where I drop Tolkien-related trivia questions, and you can also find support links in the description below. Until the next time, I'm the Tolkien Geek, signing out for the Tolkien Lore Channel. Namarie. Thanks to all my channel supporters, especially Elf friends Paul Leone and Nathan Dufour.